These days remain extremely difficult for most everyone as we navigate the COVID-19 pandemic and a devastating financial downturn. To help mitigate the impact, a lot of hopes are now being pinned on the federal government to approve a new relief bill that would infuse additional funds to support struggling families, businesses, schools, and stimulate the economy. Hi again, it's Paul Richman, your series guide on adventures in ed funding, the podcast presented by CASBO, the California Association of School Business Officials. Congress passed the CARES Relief Act in late March, but since then, it has failed to reach an agreement on a much-needed new round of relief. This week, the Republican-led U.S. Senate went back into session to resume deliberations on a new bill. The Democratic-led House of Representatives passed an earlier proposal called the HEROES Act. In this episode, school budget and political expert Kevin Gordon, who serves as president of Capital Advisors, joins us to assess the latest prospects. Will additional relief funding be approved by Congress before the end of the year? And what key differences between the Senate, the House, and the White House must still be worked out? A few weeks ago, CASBO hosted a webinar with our federal education advocate that delved deeply into the budget details of the stimulus proposals put forward so far in Congress. We'll provide a link to that in our show notes because it's a valuable reference. But given the highly charged and partisan climate that we're living in and the increasing urgency for a deal, we asked Kevin to offer his more political take on the dynamics in Washington, D.C. and the potential implications for California's classrooms and state budget. Kevin, thanks so much for joining us again on the podcast. Absolutely. Good to be back. So recognizing that things can change quickly, and we are recording this on the morning of September 8th, just as the Senate has reconvened, I want to start with a very direct question. How much will do you think there actually is among the members of Congress and the president to get a deal done before the election? I think there's actually a lot of interest in doing it. And despite, you know, what anybody might see in the press, you know, the president was extremely negative and, you know, not unlike himself on the weekend, which, you know, it's all his brand of poker where he basically said that, that Pelosi and Schumer, quote unquote, I know them very well. And um, I don't respect them at all is what he said. And he basically said they don't want a deal because it's not in their interest to get a deal before the election and that they think it hurts me. I think all of that's actually a little his his brand of stagecraft to try to maybe get them, you know, get them more interested in talking. But I don't think any of that rhetoric either helps or really hurts. It's just who Trump is. But I think to the average viewer, you would think it's just dead and it's not dead. In fact, um, the White House chief of staff, Mark Meadows, has been working to try to you know, bring everybody together. That conversation really is alive. The Senate side, we understand, is actually going to put a package up to vote and, and they'll probably get it. So then you'll have an even more you know, stark contrast between 
what the House passed with the HEROES Act and what that Senate Republican package is. But the fact that they're doing anything is good news. I I honestly, I'm still optimistic that we're going to get something. So we'll see what happens. Well, that's good. I'm glad to hear the optimism. (laughs) Oh, yes. Can you can you just remind us in in broad strokes how much in additional funding the the House plan started with and where the Senate's at, just to give people the context? Yeah. So the Heroes Act, people remember, is a three trillion dollar measure, and the Senate Republicans didn't want to do anything really north of a, a trillion, one trillion dollars. That's a pretty big gap. And then when it comes to education, though, is that almost every package out there whether it was the House Republicans or what the White House would support or or you look at House Democrats. I mean, everything was sort of in the 70 to $100 billion range for education. And that remains the case. We know that the Republican package has, you know, something close to $105 billion of support for education. Of course, the only problem with their package is that it's hinged on the idea that the support goes to schools that are actually physically reopening for in-person instruction. Now, I mean, I think there's a bargain to be had there as well, because if there's a commitment at some point during the school year to ultimately return to in-person instruction and you could get the money, there's, I think there's a deal to be had there. But, um, you know, it's, they are seemingly far apart now. Um, the Republicans came up over the weekend in what they would be willing to support by about $300 million. So they, their package is about $1.3 billion. Um, some have said, hey, look at, you know, you ought to be happy. We're only $900 billion <laughs> different from <laughs> Speaker Pelosi and what she has demanded because she's actually come down a little bit in some of her demands. The bottom line is, is it's good news that they're talking. It's good news that all of the education packages have been very significant. What we got to do is cut through what are the conditions? What are the strings that get attached? And there's some on both sides. I mean, Democrats would like to fix a few things, like, for example, this whole issue about the amount of money that gets drained away, although the courts have kind of done this for us. But this dispute that we had with Secretary DeVos over the use of uh, some of the money that would go to private schools and, and make it actually clearer that it only goes to those private schools predicated on their proportion of kids that are in poverty. And Secretary DeVos had proposed they'd go out based on their total enrollment, depending on how you use the money locally. We just wanted to go back to what it typically is under Title I. And the, their thinking was maybe you could tie some kind of language into any stimulus bill that would force that issue. The other issue is that we do also want money and assurances on the school lunch program to extend that summer feeding program. We did get it. I mean, the secretary did the waivers he needs to do. I think the money's already going to be there, but U.S. Department of Agriculture would like it if there's something that backs up that by actual congressional action. So there's other kinds of things that we would love to have in this. And then, of course, the Republicans have their wishes as well. Mm-hmm. And so it does sound like both of the plans currently have funding in there for education, but of course it's only a, a small percentage of the overall amount. So we're education sort of caught on some of these other larger funding issues. 
Yeah, in fact, probably one of the biggest sticking points is whether or not there's funding for state and local governments. I mean, you got to remember the HEROES Act had nearly $500 billion for state and local support and states and localities needed. And in California, we'd love to see some money for the states. If we got money for education and we got a decent shot of money to help out states, California public schools would be looking pretty good because we would get a decent share of the money into education, but we would also have that support for states that we need in order for Governor Newsom to avoid some of the triggers that are, you know, built into his budget that if we don't get that support, there will be deeper cuts in some parts of the budget. And can you remind folks how that the trigger language in the budget agreement that was made this summer. So if additional federal dollars don't come through later this month, then that's going to actually start the trigger cuts? Yeah, actually what what they did is they did a reverse of that. The legislature wanted to do, wanted to pass a budget and say, if the feds don't act, then we make the cuts. Governor Newsom said, no, I want to go ahead and hope that we get the federal money, but let's go ahead and assume we're making the cuts. So the cuts are already baked into the budget process. And the just remind all of our listeners, the cut that would happen to K-14 education are, in fact, these deferrals, these funding deferrals. So we are going to have right now, everybody knows they've been notified that the plan is, is that you're not going to get all of your money. Um, and it's scattered across the different months. And in fact, what we're doing is borrowing against next year's state budget. Um, if the feds come through with at least $14 billion of assistance to the state of California, then we get uh, significant relief on those deferrals. And then in descending amounts of money, I think we have to hit at least $8 billion in order for us to see any relief at all. But um, we're obviously looking for a solution there that would benefit California so we can avoid actually having to make those cuts. So the cuts are assumed. There are a lot of, you know, reductions that are made even outside of education as part of the governor's budget. But if federal aid comes through, then he gets to back out of those cuts. Mm. And Kevin, you've been around uh, politics. <laughs> you've been, been around the federal level for a long time. In, in your opinion, how much of what is standing in the way of getting a deal done, how much of that is real policy disagreement and, and how much is pure politics at this point? Yeah, I mean, there's just a lot that's just purely political. I think all sides are kind of looking at what is the political dynamic here and how does it work. Um, let me give you a good example. I mean, where that's sort of the intersect. We just had new employment figures come out. And the unemployment rate dropped from around 10% down to in the 8% range. Um, in the view of some Republicans and Larry Kudlow, who advises the president on business issues, the thinking is, hey, if the economy is on track to self-correct on its own at some point here without more expensive stimulus, then let's let that happen. Um, I can tell you, when the unemployment rate stays high, it's not just an economic variable, but it's about the mood of the public. And they see really high unemployment. They want somebody to do something about it. So the calculus they're working on is not just the economic calculus, 
or policy kind of implication, but what does the public expect of its leadership? Do they still believe that we are having a major economic struggle and people are having trouble with jobs? And I think the answer to that is absolutely. And are there people that are in need of another shot of stimulus in terms of checks that that are mailed to their homes that give them spendable income to help, you know, brace from the kind of damage that they've sustained economically. And I think the public wants that. So, and they're not, they're not dumb. They're all looking at polling data. That's why I think in the end, we're going to get something. I think the Republicans just want to try to make it a little smaller than it would otherwise be. And of course, Democrats want it to be bigger than it would otherwise be. And there you have the gap. And I think the Democrats have decided that if the Republicans don't come through with anything, they'll campaign like crazy on that issue. And I think the Republicans, the reason why I think they're likely to do something maybe smaller is because I think they see that reality and they want to be able to say they did something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, I was curious because the Republicans are have been the ones to say they, they're not really that interested in the additional relief for states and local governments. Um, and Democrats put in a lot of money in their plan do you think that is an issue that the Democrats would hold up the whole plan over? You know, Pelosi has said that. I mean, she's just thrown out a number and says, I'm not really interested in talking unless you get to my number. I think her number is like $2.5 trillion. So why she's come down a little bit on her package. I think that's a really important issue for her. But I don't know that it polls all that well because I don't think average folks think that bailing out state governments or city governments is important unless you're working for one. And I don't think it translates to them that that actually means support for a lot of health and human service issues that they benefit from. So I think they're, they're hiding behind that sort of politic is where Republicans are coming from. And I don't know that does them that much damage, but to not get checks out to, to families and to not help education is a bigger problem for them And I think they need that and they might need to compromise on the state and local government piece, the Dems that would would potentially hold out for. What what the danger is, is that if they hold out too firmly, Democrats, and there is a package and that gives the president and Republicans ability to say, hey, this is what we were for. And they walked away from it. um, The stuff that's really important to voters gets shunted aside and probably not a good thing for Democrats. So mm-hmm. it's just calibrating the politics here. It's it's going to be dicey for both sides. Right, right. So it sounds like in part on the, the state and local aid, the Democrats need to do a, a stronger job of messaging where that money goes and why that's important. They really do. They really do. They need to make sure that people understand. And, you know, the thing, of course, I'm worried about, as well as every superintendent CBO in California is um, is that if we don't get this kind of support, it does have implications for next year as well. It just makes it a lot harder for us to climb out of these challenges. California has some of the leaders in Congress. Um, obviously, you mentioned Speaker Pelosi and House Minority Leader McCarthy. How significant is that in terms of our ability to make sure that if there is an agreement that it, it takes care of California's needs? I think it's one where uh, both of the leaders understand what the benefit would be really clearly. And honestly, I mean, the governor has laid it on pretty thick, his 
very positive sentiment about Pelosi and his confidence in her skill as a negotiator to come through with something that's got to put pressure on her, you know, to try <laughs> to do something meaningful that'll help, you know, this state in a very, very difficult struggle that it's in financially. But at the same time, the politics in California alone don't dictate the politics on the national stage where you have all these moving parts so much. But it, it's definitely helpful that I think both of them in the kind of comments that they've made recently, Kevin McCarthy talked about the need to really help schools. Um, I think he really gets it. So at the end of the day is how much incentive will there, will there be for those key pieces that that there is broader agreement on to actually carry the whole package to success. Okay. So if you had to make a prediction right now, knowing that obviously a whole lot may change, but what's your best sense? Will we see a new federal relief package before the end of 2020? I think what we end up getting, this is my little prediction, is that we end up getting obviously a much smaller package than what Pelosi and the Democrats want, but it does end up having a state and local piece in it. And then I think the good news there is I think the school piece is likely to be big. I'm not sure what we're going to have to give up to get it, but I don't think it's going to require that only the schools that opened in person get it unless it's at some point during the school year. And I think most of our schools will be able to meet that requirement by June of next year, you know, May, June next year that they will have been able to return to some kind of in-person instruction. Mm -hmm. And being able to get some kind of agreement like that would enable the congressional members from both parties to, to be back out there campaigning, saying that they, they tried to address it? Yeah, like in any political deal that ultimately comes to fruition, they all claim victory, but for different reasons. Right. <laughs> um, <laughs> Kevin, just a, a last question, because a, a lot of activity is going to be going on um, this week and, and in these next days and possibly weeks. What can school leaders in California and educators and community members, what can they be doing to help try to push Congress toward an agreement? Well, I really think it's just continued support. I mean, what what we really need are we need the public to have an understanding that the state and local governments need help too. But as long as we're messaging the education piece and keeping the pressure on that, I think that's our job. And I think it's going to be the job of, you know, other sectors to talk about some of those other components that need to happen in this bill. Um, We're doing our job well, and that's why members of Congress on both sides of the aisle are feeling pressure to do something for schools. So I think we need to keep the pressure on. I think we need to say, regardless of whether you are returning in person or you're doing distance learning, we need that financial support. And in some ways we need it even more for doing distance learning if we want it to be a quality learning experience for kids. And we want to, you know, deal with the things that are the most expensive, which obviously in distance learning is the hardware, the software and the connectivity. So we just got to, Keep on that messaging, particularly to communities where there are Republicans in Congress, because we know the Democrats are there. Um, how do we get uh, how do we get our Republican friends on the same page? Mm-hmm. And worst case scenario, if 
nothing were to get done. What what does that look like? Then it really goes to the November election. And I mean, do things get even worse or do they start to get better? Which is that, I mean, not for political purposes, but just dollars and cents. There's little question when you look at Democrat sentiment toward funding education that under you know a Biden administration, if Joe Biden were to win, I mean, he's pledged to fully fund special ed for the first time ever. I mean, we've we've been on this since 1975, asking for full funding of special ed, and it hasn't happened. If if he did that, and we took special ed funding from where it is today, probably a bit, it's got to be about 12 percent, maybe less, up to the full 40 percent. I mean, that alone is the single biggest cost driver in school districts all across the country, let alone California. So for us in California, it'd be extremely meaningful. Um, And then the other thing that he wants to do is triple Title I. I mean, those things are really significant investments of money. So, So life does start to get a little bit better from a financial standpoint if Biden were to keep his promises and he became president. Um, If Trump gets reelected and we have no stimulus now, the chances that we get any kind of infusion of support going forward is not all that great. So, again, not trying to sound partisan, just a realistic person regarding the numbers. And, you know, Democrats like to spend money and Republicans don't generally. Um, So if we count on Democrats doing what they do (laughs) for (laughs) education, we probably would be better off financially. Uh-huh. So, you know, people pick their poison politically, but from a financial standpoint, things could actually be okay if they don't get a stimulus package, but Biden were to win the White House. But if if we don't get any kind of stimulus package and Trump gets reelected, I, I think we're going to have a really, really tough year next year. Um, we'll hold it together in the current year, but I think the following year is going to be filled with challenges. A really tough year filled with challenges. I I sort of thought that was our current year. Well, Kevin, thanks so much for connecting with us. It's always valuable to hear your perspectives and your unique way of keeping the politics and the policies so real. Any final thoughts to add in terms of the latest relief package dynamics? No, I think I think we got most of the major key elements of what this debate looks like. And now everybody's just got to cross their fingers and hope for them to do the right thing. Well, that's going to do it for this episode. Thanks for joining us on Adventures in Ed Funding, the podcast series presented by CASBO. We hope this has given you a helpful update on the politics and prospects for a new federal relief package. For additional details, be sure also to click on our show notes for a link to the recent webinar with CASBO's Federal Education Advocate. A very special thanks to our guest, Kevin Gordon, President of Capital Advisors and longtime education and budget advocate. Our show's music, sound, and editing are all handled by the one and only Tommy Dunbar. And I'm Paul Richmond, your faithful series guide. And let's hope that sometime soon, we'll have some good news to report back about a new federal relief package. These blues won't last forever. Take us out, Tommy. 